Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for the boom. Greetings, Hawkeye Band alum and Hawkeye Marching Band members, and welcome to our sophomore episode of the Down and Off Podcast. I'm John Brown with Tim Clay, serving as your humble co-hosts for this series, where we delve into HMB history and lore and catch up with fellow alumni and current band members. We want to start this episode by saying thank you to those of you who tuned into episode one and provided your very kind words on how it turned out. We're very grateful for your feedback. This series is for you. And it's our goal to make this about our HMB family and make it informative and fun. So again, a heartfelt thank you to all of you who reached out. Tim, do you have anything you'd like to add before I start screaming, you like us, you really like us, like Sally Field after winning an Oscar? Well, I, I was just, of course, very appreciative of all the feedback we got. Uh, thank you, everybody who left a comment on the Facebook page or reached out. We really appreciate it, uh, especially uh, like Timothy Todd Anderson, what a wonderful comment to leave. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And also uh, transitioning from feedback to maybe a little bit of homecoming news. Really, really had a blast at the uh, homecoming last week. Virtual homecoming was awesome. Jeff did a great job putting this together and making it feel like a as close to a true homecoming as we can. I mean, leading us through the all-a-man cheer, sharing the mom's note from Dr. Tom Davis, and just keeping as many of the traditions alive as we could uh, through this virtual time. We had some technical difficulties, and so thank you to everybody for sticking with us when we, uh, when the videos were in play or when we got bumped off and everybody had to rejoin. We really appreciate uh, everybody who stuck around. It was just really fun. It was a really good time, and hopefully we never have to do it ever again. Sounds good. Well, I'm sorry I couldn't make the virtual homecoming. It was a day where I actually had work that I had to do for my regular job at St. Cloud State University. And um, so was so bummed to miss, but saw so many great comments about it and um, just wished I could have been there. And on top of that, Iowa beat the crap out of Michigan State. So even better. And uh, beat the crap out of Minnesota last night. So uh, I was eating, or two nights ago, I was eating some bacon this morning as a, uh, as a prize. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I've been loving what I saw on uh, Facebook and social media yesterday where they played on the words of Kirk Ferentz after the game with the, uh, we just decided to leave the timeouts here and take the pig with us. And now that's a t-shirt out there. So kind of vis-a-vis the godfather of leave the gun, take the cannoli. So that was a lot of fun. Absolutely. You love it. You love it. <laughs> it makes me very unpopular up here in Minnesota, though. So let's start this episode with a question for the co-hosts before we digress too much farther. So we wanted to kind of share with you what was our favorite memories of game day, whether it occurred during pregame rehearsal, the pregame concert, at a game itself, funny, serious, you know, whatever we wanted to come out with. So Tim, what was the what was one memory maybe that sticks out with you in terms of game day? So in terms of game day, um, so many great games that I've been able to be a part of. I've been privileged to be a part of the the 08 Penn State game, the 2010 Orange Bowl. I, I gotta say, one of my favorite memories was from that 09 season with Ricky Stanzi. We were at Iowa State that year, and that was, uh, I believe, the first year that Kevin Castens brought the uh, Tiger Hawk in for pregame and for the second game of the year to be able to make that formation on Iowa State's field and just 
like as we're, we're getting there, like the crowd's just kind of restless anyway because it's the other band performing and they're not really giving us a ton of mind. Um, we got yelled at quite a bit when I was on, when we were on the sideline for, uh, for pregame. Uh, I was right in front of the student section and they were yelling all sorts of colorful things at us, letting us know what they thought. Uh, so it really felt good to set the Tiger Hawk there on the field and the stadium realized what they were looking at and just begin booing and yelling at us. And it made it feel all the greater when uh, Tyler Sash picked him off three times and Brandon Wager ran wild and we crushed him like 33 to three or something like that. It was a beautiful day. Any win over Iowa State is a beautiful day. Absolutely. And now I may get some backlash for this, but I tend to cheer for Iowa State when they're not playing Iowa. However, when they are playing Iowa and they're treating us like that, it does feel very cathartic and good to stick it to them. All right. I guess it's my turn. Yeah, how about I'll, you, John? Yeah, you know, it's, you it's I've got one, and it this is really you know more of sublime and funny that I I got such a kick out of, and I learned right away my freshman year. I was again in the band from '85 through '89 with Dr. Morgan Jones, and I remember the every year the last home game rehearsal on Saturday morning, we'd be on the field practicing pregame, and that first year being told, okay instead of breaking formation from the downfield march, we just march all the way down to the south end zone bleachers and march and, and the front ranks would start to actually march up into the bleachers on the south end zone. And just kind of as a practical joke to Dr. Jones. And for several years, we did that. It was funny. Of course, they blew the whistle. All right, come on back. You had your fun. Um, totally enjoyable. But one year in particular, and I want to say, I think it was 1989. So my last year in the band, it was 88 or 89. Um, the, we weren't able to go into Kinnick and practice pregame because I think it was 89 because we had moved from AstroTurf to grass. So we had to do our playing, we had to practice our playing rehearsal in the rec building. And so all of a sudden we had people going around, okay, here's what we're going to do. So we started by playing the intro to On Iowa and then immediately broke into the Ohio State fight song. And then after that, we then for our salute, it was to Northwestern and they were the visiting band and I saw Dr. Jones singing along to the Northwestern fight song because that's where he got his graduate degrees. And then we did Ching, what's the word? Fight, 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 and broke into the Michigan fight song. And when it was time to sing, of course, we had to break into the HMB version of Hail to the Victors. We will go into no further detail than that. But just that last home game, always having some little practical joke, kind of to blow off steam after a long season was a lot of fun. That is excellent. That's awesome. Always fun to mess with the director a little bit, and always, always great when he's a uh, a good uh, good spirit about it. Absolutely. Along with feedback and questions, if you have any questions for John or myself, please drop us a line. Email your question to Iowa Alumni Band at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Down and Off Pod. That's Down and Off Pod, all spelled out. We look forward to feedback and we'll implement the feedback. And if you have constructive criticism, let us know that as well. And if you have one of those questions for the co-hosts of, Hey guys, tell us what you think about this. We'll be happy to share those memories with you as well to start off each episode. So fire them off at us. Alrighty. We've got a great lineup again for this episode. Joining us today, we've got HMB drum major, Michael Jansen, who we had a lot of fun talking with. And he's got some great stories. And then we'll also be talking with Devon Dietz. Devon was an HMB member back in the 50s and shared his own experiences as he played for our legendary former director, Fred Ebbs. And I guarantee you, I know of one story that you're really going to love. 
but I'm not going to share that with you yet. We're going to let Devon tell that story because it was great. So without further ado, let's go down and off. Welcome back to the Down and Off podcast with Tim Clay and John Brown. Our next guest on this episode is Devon Dietz. And Devon is, was a member of the Hawkeye Marching Band back in the 50s under legendary director Fred Ebbs. Devon, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. You're welcome. We're glad that you could join us. Um, we're just going to dig right in and, and throw some questions your way. We're looking forward to hearing your stories. Um, so if you would just share with the audience, Devon, um, you had shared with us on offline that you had marched under Fred Ebbs, which year specifically were you in the Hawkeye marching band? Uh, well, the, uh, fall of 1954, 56 and 57. And then I was in the concert band the other semesters. Very good. Excellent. And what instrument did you play there? I played the sousaphone. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I played the sousaphone on the marching band and the tuba and the concert band. You'll never hear a complaint out of me. I was a low brass guy. I played trombone, but let's just face it. Low brass. Ah, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Don't stand too close in front of you. <laughs> Absolutely. Devon, what did you study when you were at the University of Iowa? Well, I was in what was called the College of Commerce, mm -hmm. which is now the uh, College of Business Administration. Mm -hmm. And uh, my major was marketing. Very cool. So we were in the top two floors of what was called the University Hall, mm -hmm. which is now Jessup. Ah. I'm always fascinated by how the campus has changed and what used to be in what building. I love that. Oh, yeah. They keep changing the names of the buildings. Yep. Exactly. Um, so can you talk to us about being in the band under the legendary Fred Ebbs? What was it like in the band at that time? Well, it was uh, Ebbs' first year at Iowa, and the band was transitioning from a military-style uh, March, uh, similar to what Texas A&M has now. And uh, we uh, went to the style that was becoming very popular in the Big Ten at the time. And uh, we, we used the old uniforms, which were gray pants and a double-breasted blazer, but uh, Abs wanted to spiffy that up, so we we got white spats, and maybe I should explain what a spat is. It's it's it was a piece of uh, white canvas that you wore over your shoes, so it gave you a nice big white blob at the end of your feet, so people could see if you're out of step, and. Uh, we had white plumes, and then we had uh, a belt that crossed 
the back and the front, uh, similar to the Ohio State uniform. And with a, uh, it wasn't silver, it was chrome, but a crass chrome uh, buckle in the center. So it was, it was trying to improve the appearance of the band without spending a lot of money. Uh, we we uh, practiced on the, what had been the old Iowa field right along the, the uh, river, Iowa River, mm -hmm. uh, which is now a concrete parking lot uh, west of the uh, library. The EPB parking lot, one of the best places to tailgate on Iowa game day anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we did the, the marching rehearsals there, and then we would rehearse the music in the Iowa Armory, which is no longer there. It's, it's where the School of Journalism building is now on the north side of uh, the library. And for a, a short period of time, uh, we practiced at uh, the Brown Street Playground, which is northeast of downtown. Uh, if you go north on Dubuque Street, Brown Street intersects and you went east. So we would practice there in the second year. That's where we uh, practiced the uh, or learned the uh, drum line and sousaphone line entrance out of the uh, north end zone. So we were we were that year as my it was my junior year. Uh, inaugurating the boom. We, uh, we, we had asked uh, about that. So the, the boom started with you guys in the 50s? Yeah, 1957. Very cool. And uh, or, no, I'm 1956. <laughs> I got it. It's only been 65 years ago. <laughs> but we, we must have rehearsed that entrance for two or three hours uh, before we actually performed it at uh, Iowa Stadium in those days, before it was named Kinnick. So I, I can tell people that I went to school at Iowa on a half tuition athletic scholarship and we introduced the boom. Now, my freshman year, one half, of one year's tuition was $78. Oh, wow. That is wild. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids in, in high school that I worked with, with junior achievement, they wanted to know if I had a half tuition athletic scholarship, what did I play? And I said, the sousaphone. You know, that is something that still persists. I've had people ask, like, were you on scholarship in the marching band? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how long it it lasted, but uh, by the time I was a senior, it was all the way up to, uh, I think it was $106 because one year's tuition was $212. I see you shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking about how much I had to pay and uh, how, much, uh, how much it's up these days. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's quite a jump. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it was a great time. We, we actually started practicing one week before school started. Uh, the freshmen, we had to take uh, placement exams for 
some of the basic classes. And, and we did that the week before school started. Now, we, we were going from a military-style march to uh, a high step where you raise your thigh parallel to the ground with your toys, toes pointed downward at uh, 180 steps a minute. So it was, now it, it was a very much a chauvinist organization because it was 100 men. But the women had the Highlanders. It was 100% female. Now the Highlanders are no longer functioning, but uh, they were the uh, other group that performed on uh, football Saturdays. Everybody was right in the middle of the football field. I mean, we took turns. It was, they were a slow march uh, bagpipe and drum corps. Uh, and they wore kilts. So they were quite a contrast to the marching band. And we had, we had two women in the band. They were uh, the baton twirlers and then a drum major. But it, it was always quite a thrill to go pounding our way out of the north end zone and breaking into uh, the fight songs, all three of them, on Iowa, the Iowa fight song, and Roll Along Iowa. Abs had the uh, Roll Along Iowa uh, created for us because he wanted something that would be three, four time rather than six, eight time. So, uh, but it, it ended with an S-U-I rather than a U of I because the university was called the State University of Iowa, not the University of Iowa back then. So it was SUI, but it got confused with ISU, mm-hmm. which are the other people on the West End around <laughs> Ames. So later they decided to change it to the University of Iowa so the male wouldn't get confused between the two. Sure. So I've got to throw something at you, Devon. I, uh, I've been kind of reading through a dissertation that Carter Biggers did. And on the history of the Hawkeye marching band. Matter of fact, I believe uh, you had sent it our way. And yeah. I was coming across a particular passage in it where they quoted you, and they and you were kind of uh, sharing the how um, Fred Ebbs and John Whitlock kind of played off of each other in running rehearsals. And uh, matter of fact, here I'll uh, I'll pull it up that. Uh, remarked that Ebbs played the part of the driven bad cop to Whitlock's more relaxed good cop in rehearsals. Um, right. What, give us a little bit more on the dichotomy of how that worked between Whitlock and Ebbs. Well, I think because he studied under William Ravelli at Michigan, uh, he was very much a disciplinarian and a perfectionist. And, uh, So he would get on people who weren't paying attention and doing things uh, correctly. And and then Whitlock would calm things down with the uh, individuals so that they wouldn't get so upset that they'd quit. (laughs) But uh, it it went in line with uh, the way uh, Forrest Evichewski coached the football team. He was very much a disciplinarian, obviously. I remember meeting Evashevsky back, oh my goodness, about 
25 years ago. And of course, you know, he was, he had gotten up there in years and um, he still, I remember that it was a homecoming weekend and they honored him at halftime and walking off of the field at halftime and back toward the tunnel. He still walked those sidelines like he owned the place. Oh yeah. Well, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he did. But those were good years because uh, we had uh, three guys from Steubenville, Ohio, uh, joined the team, Eddie Vincent, Frank Gilliam, and uh, Calvin Jones. And uh, they, they pretty much uh, were the drivers behind the success that Avicheski uh, had. Mm -hmm. The Steubenville Trio. Yes. And Calvin Jones, when he would be meet you on campus, he'd always call you Ace. Hi, Ace. Everybody was Ace. Um, what did you do after graduation from Iowa? Well, I got to spend uh, six months at uh, government expense at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, in uh, the Army. Then I uh, worked for the J.C. Penney Company in Clinton, Iowa. And I had a restaurant of my own for a number of years. Uh, it was on Highway 30 in Clinton. And uh, before they finished the uh, interstate highway system, I decided it might be a good idea to sell the business on Highway 30. And I went to work for the IBM company in uh, Moline, Illinois. And for 25 of the 33 years I worked for them, John Deere was my customer. What uh, what'd you guys make at the restaurant, if you don't mind me asking? Well, we made 15 cent hamburgers, 10 cent fries, and 25 cent milkshakes. We had to make a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my kind of place, though. Same. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it went with the $78 uh, half tuition scholarships. Mm-hmm. So Devon, where are you living now? And from where you are, do you get the opportunity to follow the Hawkeye Marching Band these days? Well, uh, I live in Marion, Iowa, which is a, a small town of 40,000 people now, next to Cedar Rapids. And uh, my wife and I have had uh, season tickets for the football games, plus the men's and women's basketball games. So. We get to Iowa City quite often. And I, I enjoy going into the, uh, I guess it's called a rec center, where the band uh, rehearses before the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Always wonderful to hear that little concert in there. It's so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we, we used to warm up in the field house before the rec center was there. And it was the same kind of situation. We had lots of relatives. It was come and watch, but lots of other people too. So it was always a good crowd to get warmed up in. Absolutely. And a good recruiting tool too. Like I, I know the acoustics, it's not the most musical, wonderful place for acoustics, but like it just booms and it's so loud. And like, I remember as a high schooler coming in and just being awed by all the sound coming at you. It's a wonderful place to, you know, kind of show off what the band can do. Well, marching bands aren't normally very quiet. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I had a junior high school band director whose admonition was, if you can't be good, be loud. There's nothing worse than not being heard. 
I could subscribe to that point of view. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And Devon, can we dig back into some of the, uh, the marching band memories? Do you, do you have a favorite memory from your time in the marching band? And I think you mentioned that there was something about a road trip to Michigan. Yeah, we, uh, we, we would go to uh, one of the out-of-town games each year. And uh, Abs had, had uh, studied under uh, William Ravelli, who was the uh, band director at the University of Michigan. Uh, when he was working on his master's degree. Uh, he then went to uh, Baldwin Wallace. Well, he, he was in Hobart, Indiana as the high school uh, band director. And uh, Ravelli had preceded him in the 20s as the director of the same high school uh, musical department. And uh, Ebbs knew that Ravelli would have some kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, way of poking fun at the, the Iowa band and the Iowa fans. So we were at uh, Michigan Stadium, and I think in those days it was about 90,000 people capacity. And uh, the, the pregame, or yeah, yeah, the pregame, the Michigan band was on field. And instead of playing any of the fight songs, they played the Iowa Corn Song, which, of course, Ebbs took issue with. But he knew that Ravelli would have something up his sleeve. So we rehearsed all week a special version of the Victors, which is the Michigan fight song. And we, we played that as part of the halftime show. Now, the, the thing that we did was we changed key every eight bars. So you had 90,000 people starting to sing the victors, and we would keep changing keys, and they were trying to follow that. And by the time we finished, the stadium was silent. And there's William Ravelli with his left hand in the air, shaking his fist, and he was left-handed. <laughs> shaking his fist at us because he had he knew what we had done. We had one up him. <laughs> Any opportunity there is to one up Michigan is always a good day. <laughs> <laughs> it happens once in a while. Oh yeah. So let me ask you this, Devon. What advice would you give a current HMB member, Hawkeye Marching Band member, these days in 2020? Well, have fun. That's number one. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you can't have fun, it's not worth doing. Um, and, and I know they do because we watch them uh, before the games and during the game. Mm -hmm. and, and especially the sousaphone section. There's something about sousaphone players that are a little uh, off-center, let's put it. And uh, everybody has lots of fun. And of course, you're working so hard, so many hours with uh, the other members in the band that you really uh, develop some strong friendships. And I have a, a friend who's a clarinet player in the marching band, lives in Plano, Texas. And we're still close friends after all of these years. That's wonderful. One of the other uh, members of the Susan section uh, was Jared Hills. 
he and his wife just contributed money to buy new sousaphones for the sousaphone section. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really great. It was. I know Dr. Bush greatly appreciated that. Well, the stories you've shared, Devon, really, you know, and, and how you've kind of painted the picture of the Fred Ebbs era, just on a personal note, kind of, um, saw how some of the foundations were built for that, what I might call the modern era of the Hawkeye marching band. And um, the director I played for back in the eighties was Dr. Morgan Jones, who I know was right. part of the band back in the fifties and see a lot of, you know, I, a lot of what we did and, and how we did it going back to those days and, and remember stories. Um, he, he spoke pretty fondly of Fred Ebbs as well. And um, you could tell that he, that with Dr. Jones, he had a fair amount of influence and, and inspiration in what he did based on, on, the, on what Fred Ebbs did as director in the 50s. So those, those are wonderful stories to hear. Well, believe it or not, those are all the questions that we've got. And so you know, we are very, very grateful, Devon, that you were willing to take time out of your day to, to spend with us and, and share some memories and, and kind of help us better understand what was a really great era of the Hawkeye marching band. So um, many thanks from us to you uh, for being part of this episode of the down and off podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Again, we've been talking to Devon Dietz, who was a member of the Hawkeye marching band back in the fifties under Fred Ebbs. Um, we will be back in a moment. You're listening to the down and off podcast for Hawkeye marching band and Iowa band alumni. Welcome back to the Down and Off Podcast. Joining us for Iowa's first game week of the year is the Hawkeye Marching Band drum major, Michael Jansen. Now, listeners will be listening to us, obviously, after the first game week, but Mr. Jansen, uh, introduce yourself, say hello, and uh, how's game week going for you? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Michael Jansen. Um, I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, I went to Washington High School in Cedar Rapids. This is my sixth year in the marching band, and my second year as drum major. To start us off, it is game week, and the Big Ten still has not budged on their um, decision to let spirit squads and band members into the stadium. So what are you doing for game day? Are you going to wake up and scream, game day in Iowa City, Iowa? Are you going to be yelling at your roommates? Uh, what are you doing Saturday? I don't know if my neighbors are, well, it's a 2.30 game, so maybe uh, maybe I'll throw one of those in there. I'll just open my window and shout it out to Iowa City. Just, just to go, make it normal. Just go high-stepping down the hallway, banging on the doors with your mace. Get out, it's game day! <laughs> exactly. Just uh, turn on the speaker as loud as I can, start blasting back go. in black, and enter Sandman, get the whole apartment building ready to go. But uh, for real, like, are you guys doing like a band get-together? What's What's going on this week? So um, right now we're actually um, kind of in the middle of preparing our next virtual halftime performance. So um, it's going to be 
a little bit of a tribute to civil rights movement. So like women's suffrage and that kind of thing. Um, so we'll be um, wrapping up the finishing touches of that um, this week and we'll record it next week on Thursday and Friday. So hopefully we'll have that ready for uh, one of the later games so we can have another halftime with football. Um, after that, the uh, university asked us to play Pomp and Circumstance for uh, the online graduation ceremonies this year. So we're also working on that a little bit. But in terms of football, like you said, the uh, Big Ten decided not to budge. Dr. Bush has tried, and they're not moving. So I'll be uh, – I might have my family down. We'll brew a pot of chili, and we'll watch the game. Sounds like a plan. Let me ask you this, Michael. What instrument – prior to being drum major, what instrument were you playing in the band? Uh, I played mellophone. So – um, Jim Burke was my section leader when I joined in 2015. Um, and then, uh, I became section leader my junior year. So my junior year and senior year, I was section leader and then drum major for my fifth year and my sixth year. Very cool. Remind me, which, which bowl games have you been to so far? So my freshman year was the 2015 Rose Bowl. So that was a great way to kick off my career. Um, <laughs> after that we did Outback Bowl my sophomore year pinstripe bowl my junior year and that was the first one we won and we went back to the outback bowl and beat mississippi state and then holiday bowl beating usc was the most recent mm-hmm. so you're Rose on a pretty bowl. good streak here very good yeah yeah we're, we're on a winning streak so hopefully they get to go to a bowl game and i get to call it my last bowl game even though we probably won't get to go but fingers crossed what was your favorite aspect of that Rose Bowl trip? Because you mentioned that was your first bowl. That was my that first was my bowl favorite. 35 years ago. Yeah. Was the 86 Rose Bowl. So what, what did you like the best about that experience? There was, it was, there was so much to experience at that bowl game. The granddaddy of them all does, it does not overstate. Um, the thing that always sticks out in my mind, of course, is we got some in and out burgers after the parade. And when I tell you that everyone in the band finished their two burgers in less than five minutes, I am not exaggerating. Those things were gone. A burger has never tasted as good after you march five miles of parade in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Post-parade lunch has been upgraded. I remember we had some kind of box lunch, and then it was mm-hmm. on the bus and off to the game. So, dang, I wish we would yeah, have had was, in and out burgers after our parade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was the best choice health-wise, you know, march five miles and then eat a couple of greasy burgers, but <laughs> I, I don't think anyone cared. <laughs> what has the year been like for you uh, as drum major this year? Uh, obviously, the band has gone through some things, and uh, Dr. Bush has talked a little bit about the experience, but from the student point of view and from the drum major point of view, how has the year been different for you? Uh, well, from – I'm sure Dr. Bush went over all, all the protocols, you know, wearing – Masks all the time. We're splitting the band. We have four pep bands and we're rehearsing two each day. So from a student perspective, I'm sure a lot of them feel very differently um, about this year compared to previous years because they're, they're getting half the rehearsal time. So band is, you're pretty much getting half of the band experience out the gate. And that's even before we get to no games and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of puts a little bit of a damper on the normal energy that we have at rehearsals. Um, But at the same time, this is a really resilient bunch. Um, I'm really proud of this group and how much we've been able to 
turn this interesting year into something that we can be proud of. Um, the virtual performances have been a lot of fun. Um, we've got a lot of arrangements that our TAs did, and they did a really great job with them. Um, Tyler Strickland, who is the Melly and Sax TA this year, did an arrangement of Glory from Selma that we're doing for this upcoming virtual halftime, and it is is a great arrangement. So it's it's different. There's a different energy about it. Um, so it doesn't quite feel like HMB of old, but it still feels like HMB. You know, we are still getting to make music with your friends and family that you've made over the past two, three, four, five years. And even though it's not the same, I'm still glad that we're able to do it because there are a lot of other big 10 schools, a lot of other bands across the country who got shut down completely. They, you know, I know Michigan state at the very least, they told them like two weeks into the semester, you all have to drop marching band from your schedules because it's not going to happen. And that's just a real bummer. Michael, talk for a minute about kind of your leadership style and how you go about leading the band as drum major. So I've always subscribed to the idea that respect is one of the most important things in being a leader. Um, giving someone your respect and showing them that you are serious about this is the best way to earn respect and the best way to succeed as a group. So I like, I mean, I treat these people, the people in the band, like they're adults because they are, they're smart. They know what they're doing. They're here for a reason. You know, it's, it's college marching band. You're not going to be in it if you don't want to be in it. So I, you know, we, we treat each other like adults where we respectful, but we're still able to have some fun. And that's what I like to do is we can be serious. We've got to get our work done, but there's no reason we can't enjoy the work along the way because otherwise it's work just for work's sake. I like that. Love it. Um, have you had to do anything differently specifically this year to lead as drum major? Like what, uh, what are you guys doing for the freshmen who this is their first year? How are you trying to get them that genuine HMB experience? Yeah. So I don't think, to be honest, there's no way that we can give them a genuine HMB experience because there is, and you guys I'm sure understand this perfectly, but there is nothing that compares to marching in front of 70,000 fans in Kinnick Stadium. So that's something that they don't get to experience this year. So Dr. Bush and my goal from the beginning of the season was to try and make sure we show these freshmen and these first year members that marching band is fun. It is a worthwhile experience. And that if you stick out this kind of crummy year, we'll get to next year and we'll, we'll try and get right back into the swing of things and you'll get to know what, exactly what it feels like. So what we have done um, is tried to make sure that we're giving opportunities for first year members to get to know some of the veterans. We're not trying to dump everything all on, on them all at once. Um, because if you're a first year member and we treat camp week like a normal camp week where you try and shove everything at you so that we can clean the rest of the season, and then you've got nothing to work for this year, they're going to get turned off pretty quickly. So we actually just finished teaching um, Sky and the Hats Off Salute last week. You, you know, that's something you'd we'd be teaching like day three of camp week. But because we didn't have a game to prepare for, we were able to kind of put that one on the back burner, build our way up through high step and through run on, and then make our way back to Sky and all these other things. And then um, something that's been interesting for me 
is every other day is the same for me. So like Tuesdays, I will work with bands I and O and I will teach them a fundamentals and we'll do a fundamentals block and review some stuff. And then Wednesday will come and I'll do the exact same thing. Exact same block, exact same teaching. So it kind of, it makes, I'm sure you guys know that the pandemic already kind of makes time feel like it's not a thing anymore. But when you're doing, you basically take a day and then you copy it. It really makes me uh, confused as to what day it is sometimes. I slept through one of my morning lectures a couple of weeks ago because I thought it was Wednesday, but it was not. It was, uh, it was Thursday. <laughs> so you obviously as drum major, you're the one that carries the mace. Um, mm-hmm. How do you come up with your mace routines? So it depends on what kind of show we're doing, what kind of music we're doing. Um, I can't remember if this is the same thing that Annalisa did, the drum major before me, but I'm a little bit more improvisational when it comes to routines. So some of the time, like when we do a pop song or something with a really big climax or like, like we did Lion King last year and you know, there's the big climactic moment, the circle of life, you know, I'll kind of start from there. I'll not want to do big toss right at that big peak moment. I'll kind of build up to that a little bit. I'll kind of plan out a couple moves before and after, but for the most part, um, I'm just kind of spinning with the music in rehearsals. I kind of find things that I like here and there. There was one show though. There was that homecoming performance show that we did last year. We did, it was Lion King, La La Land, and then 76 Trombones. Kylene and I did the uh, duet for the La La Land, which was the middle tune. So we were in the backfield and we did seven or eight partner tricks in the back. So that one was kind of the opposite to what I normally do. It was more of what she does is where we take the song, we record it, we listen to it a couple times and we plan out every single count of that music because we were doing, if we had seven or eight partner tricks, we had to be ready to go when the other person was ready to do that trick. So that was a little change of pace for me, but it was fun. So you're about to wrap up your college career. One thing I don't know if we asked, um, I'll start with, what are you studying? What, you know, what are you majoring in? And when that time comes to walk across the stage, what's next for Michael Jansen? So I actually finished my undergrad last year. So I graduated uh, with a degree in management from Tippy College of Business. Um, and then the reason I'm back again is because I applied and got accepted to graduate school at Iowa in the sport and recreation management program. Um, So that's a year and a half program. I'll finish that next fall. But to move on from that, uh, who knows? I think my long-term goal is to work for the university athletics department here at Iowa. It's been, I mean, the university has been a huge part of my life for seven years. I grew up as a fan. Even when I lived in Michigan, I was a major Iowa Hawkeye sports fan. So being able to work with the university that has been my defining, you know, part of my life the past seven years is a goal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I really appreciate how much the athletic department here works with the marching band. Um, and I want to try and be a force in the athletic department that keeps that going. Cause if you don't, if you lose advocates in the athletics department, that's when you start to lose opportunities for the band that has given me so much. So I want to try and keep fighting for that. Let's see. Drum major in the Hawkeye marching band wants to work in athletics. 
Tim, I think the three of us know a guy who probably <laughs> I was going to ask, have you been introduced to uh, Charlie Taylor yet or Jim Berg? I have. I've but, met them both. Good. Yes, they would be excellent connections mm -hmm. for sure. Charlie actually was one of my letters of recommendation for grad school. So I'm very appreciative of that. That is great. Well, um, is there anything else that you'd like to share about the year or anything about how the year's going that you think the alumni would like to hear about? Or it doesn't have to just be alumni, whoever's listening about the marching band. Um, not that I can think of. I mean, it's been an interesting year for sure. My goal coming into this year, to be honest, I didn't know it was going to be my last year until we got probably about four or five weeks in. That's when I, I made my final decision that I was ready to pass the torch. And that was right about the time they announced that the season was back on. And so I thought that there was maybe a chance that I'd get to March in Kinnick Stadium one more time, and that would be a nice little tied-off bow. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it looks like it's not going to be the case. But um, my goal from the outset was to help Dr. Bush, um, first of all, maintain as much of our traditions and our fundamentals as we could, try and instill them into as many people as possible, and then to try and help cultivate the next drum major so that when they step into this position next year, having been, you know, 18 months since the previous game day, that they are ready to get into it, hit the floor running, and kind of step band 141 off like it never lost a step in the first place. I think that's really awesome. And that speaks very highly about you as a leader, Michael. That's awesome that that's your attack. Thank you. Michael, we appreciate you taking the time tonight to, to join us and talk a little bit about your role as drum major, your career at Iowa, um, sharing this with our alumni and friends uh, of the Hawkeye Marching Band as part of the Down, the Down and Off podcast. And again, many thanks for being here with us tonight. My pleasure. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you once again to Devon Dietz and Michael Jansen for sharing their time and their experiences with us and all of you. We really enjoyed talking with them and hearing their story. Uh, as we wrap things up, let's reflect a little. So, John, what did you learn today? I'll tell you, the thing I learned today and just couldn't help but laugh incessantly, even for weeks after hearing this, was how Fred Ebbs one-upped Michigan on that Michigan road trip by changing the key on Hail to the Victors so many times that the fans stopped singing and the legendary Michigan band director, Bill Ravelli, shook his fist in anger at Fred Ebbs. Any day that you can one-up Michigan in, in anything, and of course, Wisconsin certainly did that last night to Michigan, it's a good day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so Tim, what did you learn? I got to say, I was really impressed with uh, drum major Michael Jansen's leadership uh, in, in our interview with him, talking about what he's trying to do to lead the band, uh, his decision to come back and help out this year to uh, try to get one more year in, help transition the band through COVID and everything going on this year. And I hope for his sake and for all the seniors and for all the band members that they do get one more chance to march sometime this year. Like if things can get changed, uh, 
if the situation looks better, which it's not necessarily, but if something were to happen and they were to march in a bowl game or something, you know, I, I hope they get a chance, but such is life in 2020. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, thank you for listening once again. Look forward to episode three coming out sometime before the winter holidays. Uh, We had a discussion with management, and we are going to be scaling back our production pace goals. And we're rather than looking to get these episodes out every two to three weeks, we're looking to do it once a month, once every other month or so. So episode three will be coming out in December. So, folks, once again, this is a platform to be able to share HMB stories, to learn about the history of the marching band, to relive old memories. So if you have any questions, any feedback, any thoughts, please feel free to share with us. Once again, you can drop a line uh, at the email, iowaalumniband at gmail.com. You can also follow us for updates on Twitter, at downandoffpod. And keep an eye out on the Alumni Facebook page where we'll drop some news about our next episode. So he is John Brown. I am Tim Clay. Thank you all for listening on Iowa. Go Hawks!